continue the shiur in Hokle Israel by the Bera Donai Moshe be Medbar Sinai be Ohel Moed. Behad la Hodesh Hashini Bashana Hashinit, it's a Tam Eretz Mitzrayim Lemor, say Uet Rosh Kol Adat Bene Israel Meshpehotam Lebeta Botam, the Mespar Shemos Kol Zachar de Gugelotam. We have a rule that the counting of the Jewish people and the parashah that talks about it is always read prior to the holiday of Shavuot and the manic device is given in the um, Torah in the Shulchan Aruch which says menu ve'etzru count and then make the holiday of Shavuot what is, why is this necessary to read about the counting of course Rashi Kadosh tells us because of the love of the Jewish people he counts them when they exited from Egypt he counted them when they fell in the sin of the golden calf, he counted them to know how many are left. When he came to place the divine presence upon them, he in the Mishkan, he counted them. And uh, so the Mishkan was put up on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, on Rosh Chodesh Iyar, they were counted. So what is the concept of counting? It's to show love. How does it show love? Because it shows each person you count. You make a difference. You are an individual. That there's no such thing in the Torah that you have to negate individuality. You know, communism is based on the idea of negating individuality. Everybody is just a robot. They're part of a state. And this is the way of utopia that everybody is the same. And we see it was the way of destruction. It's no utopia. The utopia is when each person understands that he has a... A, a mission. Understand that he has an individual item that no one else can do and at the same time be able to unify with the rest of the Jewish people even though they're different and receive the Torah. And it's this beautiful mixture, the admixture of knowing that a person has his individuality and a mission that portioned in the Torah that no one else has and at the same time you have the ability to fuse yourself. You don't feel that you have anything to give so the whole thing doesn't start. You need to understand that you have, you make a difference. Once you are counted and you understand you make a difference, you can then receive the Torah in concert, united with the old Jewish people. That's a very important item before the holiday of Shavuot to clarify to people, to give them uh, that sense of worth and at the same time give out the message that in order to receive the Torah you can be united. There is no contradiction in the two things. In the Nebi'im we also read about the fact that now Jewish people could be counted. At that time they were counted. But in the future when Mashiach comes the Jews will transcend time. They will transcend space. There will be no more, it will be too numerous to count. They will rise to a level that's above the concept of counting, as it says in Hosea. Who was Hosea? Was that Yehoshua? No. Absolutely not. It was a set different person. Who is Hosea? He was a prophet of the Jewish people. He was part of the Tere Asar, part of the 12 Nevi'im that are bound together. And he says that the count of the Jewish people which be like the sand of the sea that cannot be um, uh, counted. 
instead of the situation in the exile, when they transgressed the Torah and people said, you're not, you know, people said, you're not the chosen people, you're not the people of Hashem, they will return, at the time of Mashiach, will be told to the Jewish people, you are the sons of the living God. And this is the statement made in the Nebi'im. In the Ketubim, in Mishleh, Shalomu HaMelech, in his great wisdom, wrote the Sefer of Mishleh. And he asks Hashem a very interesting request. Shav udvar chazav Emptiness and words of lies Please distance from me. Resh va'osher altetenli. Poverty and riches. Please don't give me. Hatrifeni lechem huki. Give me what I bread that I need to eat. Now, person looking at this in America says, there must be something wrong with this person. He's saying, don't give me riches. But more than anyone else, the hacham, Shalomu HaMelech, understood the dangers of riches and understood that the test of riches is much greater than the test of poverty. <laughs> the proof is very simple. Look at the poor people who are strictly religious and serve Hashem, and look how many fabulously wealthy people are religious and serve Hashem, and there you have your answer, which test is bigger. So uh, the Shalom uh, Aminah says, I'm not interested in either. I'm not interested in poverty and not interested in fabulous wealth. The fact that Shalomu HaMelech ended up with the wealth that he had, this was because he knew, he was afraid, but he knew what to do with it. You know, that's the difference once we're speaking to Rabbi Davis, Rabbi Diamond's father-in-law, and he said, that's the difference between us and the tzaddikim. The tzaddikim are afraid. We're not afraid. That's why they are what they are and we are what we are. The tzaddikim are afraid. So even though he was on the level where he could take that particular um, uh, test, it did not come without a price. Shalom HaMelech also made errors as a result of this issue, but we'll talk about this on his level, uh, which is way, but in general, he knew how to handle that test. Most people do not. Wasn't uh, Shlomo presented the opportunity to pray for whatever... Correct. And he, he accepted wisdom. And but in the face of that, the wisdom brought to everything else. So that's so, really the genius way to pray. Yeah, yeah. But he intended sincerely just to have wisdom, like you see here. He says, I'm really, I'm really not interested. It was sincere. It wasn't just, he was so smart, he figured out a way to outwit the system and take wisdom because it's gonna, he knows it's going to come. No, he really wasn't interested. And not as what? Right. <laughs> And he says, why? I am afraid that if I will have riches, I will be so satisfied, I will deny and I will say, who's Hashem? And why doesn't he want poverty? Because then, if you don't, can't pay the electric bill or the rent in legal means, you try illegal means to get it because you're under pressure. And the tafasti, uh, and this will be a Hilul Hashem, 
and this will be a desecration of Hashem's name, so therefore I'm not interested in either. Just get me in middle class and I'm fine. The Mishnah in Shabi'it, very appropriately, as we have just read the parashiyot that about the seventh year of Shemitah, that the land remains fallow, uh, and the Mishnah says in Shabi'it the laws of the seventh year. It is not so simple that a person can do work in the field the entire sixth year. There are times when it is forbidden to work the land towards the end of the sixth year, just like in the seventh year. When you have a field of trees, till when? On the year before Shabi'it, can one um, plow? There is a law, like by Shabbat, of Tosefet Shabbat. There's a special pasuk that tells us, just like there's a mitzvah to add on to Shabbat a few minutes, there's a mitzvah to add on to Shabi'it a little bit. How is this manifested? Bet Shammai says, Towards the end of the sixth year, before the seventh year, as long as the Bechamai says, as long as the plowing will be good for the fruit in the coming year, it's called fixing the land. Um, okay, in English, as long as it's you, the, the plowing can be construed as fine as for the sixth year, then you could do it. But once it can no longer be construed as any benefit for the sixth year, you can't do it, and then it reverts to being the Shevi'it. Appropriately, okay, one second. One minute, please. Bet Hillel Omrim Ada Atzeret. Bet Hillel says, Til Shavuot. Ukurobin Dibre Elu Lihiot Ke Dibre Elu. And the Canyon between Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel here is not that large. It's it's basically the same time of year, and therefore the mahloket is very small here. Gemara in Berachot on page thirty-two B says as follows: The Mishnah says if a person is in the middle of the Amidah and a king comes and says, "Hi, how are you?" David Amelech comes and says. Shalom Aleichem. You can't answer him because you're in the middle of the Amidah. Amar Ab Yosef, and Ab Yosef says, Roshanu Yisrael. This law refers to a Jewish king, even though the greatest respect is due to a king, to David Amelech, to Shalom Amelech. In the middle of the Amidah, you can't answer. But if it's a Goy king, if it's the Tsar of Russia, Koseh, you do answer him because you're not obligated to die. Rather, and that is exactly what they used to do. If you don't answer the czar, you're dead meat. You're finished. So therefore, because it's a danger to life, in situation of danger to life, you can answer in the Amidah like by a Melech Goy. The question asked by the Gemara is, it says a person who's in the Amidah, and he sees no goodniks coming to him, or he sees a wagon or a car, don't talk. You're still not allowed to talk. You're allowed to shorten your Amidah. So, 
you see here that the advice is to shorten the Amidah. Why do we say you answer the guy who's going to kill you? Just shorten the Amidah and then answer him. The answer is, it's talking about where you can't. You don't have time for that. If you could shorten the Amidah, you shorten it. How would you shorten it? You would say the gist of each, the idea of each Beracha, and not say all the lengthy parts of the Beracha if that's possible. If that's not possible, then danger to, you have to stop. Gemara says a story about a certain Hasid who was praying on the road. To happen, whatever, he was traveling, he had to pray on the road, he was in the Amidah. An officer came and said, Hello, sir. Shalom. He did not answer him. The officer, who was a big weight in the government, waited until the Hasid finished his tefillah. I'm sure he could have had a couple of Yankee doodles in the middle there. After the Hasid finished his prayer, he told the Hasid, empty one. Doesn't it say in your Bible, Rak to watch your soul? That you're not allowed to endanger your life? When I said Shalom, why didn't you answer me? The Goy is telling him this. He knew what it says in the Bible. If I would have cut off your head with the sword, would anybody have said anything? No, that was the situation then. So the rabbi said, Give me a chance, have patience, give me a chance to answer. I said, fine. Uh, so he told him the following answer. If you were standing in front of the king and somebody else came and said hi, would you answer him? He said, I certainly would not answer the other person who's talking to me. And if you would have answered him, the other guy, what would the king have done to you? He said, well, he would have cut off the head with a sword. He says, so listen to what you're saying. You're standing in front of a regular king, and if you talk to somebody else in the middle, they cut off your head. I'm standing in front of Hashem, who is the king of the king of kings, who is eternal. How much more so? And amazingly, the officer, at that time people were normal, and the officer heard and understood what was being said, and he says, my good man, you have a point. Go home. And everything worked out normally. See, there was a time when even by Goyim, there were normal people. There was such a time. The, uh, we need to realize this in a very, very big way. We have a big problem. We, as a community, are close to each other. We have a lot of camaraderie. We feel very comfortable and chilled out in the shul. It's great that we have that feeling. It's great that we're together and we're united and we feel for each other. But it's not good when it leads to a lack of respect to Hashem. If you're talking to Hashem, there is no room to talk to anybody else. Especially in the junctures of prayer where it's forbidden to talk. We're black and white, the Shulchan Aruch. Let's work on that first. We got about the general question of talking in shul. Where is it forbidden to talk? It's absolutely forbidden to talk completely from Baruch She'amar until after the Hazara. No, from Baruch She'amar till after the Hazara. However, a lot of people are careful in this from Baruch She'amar till the Amidah. But during the Hazara, all whatnot. 
breaks loose. And this is because of the lack of understanding that have the severity of the sin of talking during the Hazara. The Arizal says that the Hazara is a higher level than your private Amidah. It's a higher level according to the Arizal, the greatest mystical Kabbalist. The, the, the Hazara is more important. We just have to bite the bullet. If someone talks to us, we just have to say, mm, mm, mm. The same way if you would be in the Amidah and someone would talk to you. You don't answer and you don't say, well, you know, Rebberl, Rebshmerl is talking to me. I have to answer him. Everybody understands that. It's the exact same thing in the Hazara. Do not answer. Mm, mm, mm. Mm, mm. That's how the, the respect has to be because of the concept that it says here. Whether you're saying Amidah or you're not saying, whether it's Hazara, you're in the midst, he's talking to Hashem for you. He's a representative of you. You're fulfilling the mitzvah by listening to the Hazara. You're in the middle of talking. If someone comes and talks in the middle to you and you know how much one gets insulted. If I'm talking to, to, to one person and then somebody else, somebody else, some obnoxious person comes and starts to talk in the middle, you get very annoyed. You say, excuse me. I'm speaking to him now. Excuse me. So it should be the same understanding by Hashem. Let's see the Zohar HaKadosh. Rabbi Yitzhak Patah, Adonai Zecharanu Yebarech. Yebarech et Petri Gomer, Adonai Zecharanu Yebarech. Ilen gubrinda gu'alim b'chush benad v'adbera v'kudsha b'nichum abarech lon. Ve'osif alay v'chol zemna. V'tahazer. Haman de'amar she'bacha de'habre d'bno yudma muneh v'ol barecha le'ro'odaa alay b'rchan. It is important, Kadosh says. Just as we find that the Torah counted the Jewish people and gave them a beracha upon counting each individual, the Torah gave them a beracha and to proliferate. We have to learn from this that whenever we're saying something good about a person, let's say, you know, you say Goldberg built a beautiful house on. Uh, Ocean Avenue. Afterwards, you should say, he should be blessed. You should never mention the good of another person while, you know, he had his 16th child. You know, say, Always say a blessing when you're saying a good thing about another person. Uh, whether it's children, whether it's money. And to give him berachot. We see by Moshe. Moshe said, Behold, you are like the stars of the uh, sky. And afterwards he said, Hashem Elochechem Yosef Alechem. May Hashem, the God of your fathers, add to you a thousand times. So uh, he gave them a beracha, the two berachot, Hashem Elochechem. And afterwards, to add berachot upon berachot. It's unfortunately, if he doesn't give him a beracha, and there's some element of we don't give another person beracha, means you're really jealous. You're jealous and you're not uh, happy with it, and you, you have a little bit of ayin hara there. Well, before they take care of the other guy with the Ayin Hara, they take care of the guy who's jealous of him and, and having uh, issues that his friend has a Beracha. But if you give a Beracha, you automatically get Beracha from above. This is the way of the Jewish people. Anytime a person mentions the Zohar HaKadosh, says, a great person, that itself is a 
important thing. And we should say about that great person, Shlita. What's Shlita mean? That he should live and be well. And everybody says it. That's the meaning of the word Shlita that you see after they mention a great person's name. Shlita Sheyahye. Huh? Sounds like Eskenazic only, actually, the way you pronounce it. Okay. If, whoever wants to pronounce it a different way, I don't know any other way to pronounce it. Ex- excellent. Uh, anyway, the main point is you should give a blessing when you mention a great person of Torah. You should say uh, uh, some si- sort of beracha. You don't want to say shlita, say a different word. Say, ben porat Yosef should live to Give him whatever blessing you like according to your gender, denomination, and um, etc. So, with that, we're going to stop here today and give a beracha to everybody here who came and uh, got involved in this class on the 43rd day of the Omer. That is Hesed Sheba Malchut. Hesed means kindness. Malchut is kingdom. Of course, kingdom refers to the faith in the kingdom of Hashem. Hesed is kindness. This was Abraham Avinu. Abraham Avinu was the embodiment of Hesed Sheba Malchut. He was a man of kindness that manifested itself in Emunah, in faith. He used that kindness to bring about faith to other people. So too, when we sanctify Hashem's name by doing nice stuff for other people, people say, oh, this is an Orthodox Jew. This is the way that the religious Jew um, uh, uh, conducts himself. I want to be part of that number. I want my children to be like this. We should be zocher in the merit of the the counter the sefirata omer to merit to accept the Torah properly on the holiday of Shabbat to mikvenun and to all of the other berachot. Amen. 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 Amen